The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You can not only learn from your mistakes, you can celebrate them. They define who you are and serve as a learning tool to become your most beautiful self ever. Welcome to Beyond Religion, Your Life is Waiting, with your host, Jim Stacy. Jim is the author of 11 books and is here to help you experience the power of the divine deep within yourself. It's inside you. You just have to know where and how to look for it. Now, here is Jim Stacy. And thank you again for joining me for another episode of Beyond Religion, Your Life is Waiting. And what is your life waiting for? Your life is waiting for you to choose, for you to decide what direction you want to go, for you to choose who you're going to be, for you to choose how you're going to live your life. There is no one, absolutely no one, that can tell you how to live your life. So that's what this show is all about. And so many times, as we've talked about, religion is the kind of thing that tries to control us. And for obvious reasons. They get a lot of money for doing that and a lot of control. So I say very clearly, after spending too many years in that, no, that's not the truth. The truth is we are part of the divine, the divine in human form. We are far more than we've ever dreamed. And when we get that and we really understand that, We step into it, not with pride and arrogance, not at all, but with gratitude and with delight. So that's what it's all about. Last week, as you know, I had as my guest on my show my Aramaic mentor, Dr. Neil Douglas Klotz. Neil and I have had a personal relationship for many years now, and though I hadn't talked with him for a while, it was just really great for me to reconnect with him. And what happened for me in that interview last week was a two or three reminders of some things that I've known for a long time and yet it was a very good reminder that for me that there's more for me to learn. So I'm going to follow up today with a show that captures a little bit more of what Neil and I were talking about last week but to give you a deeper appreciation for the Aramaic language. My friends, we simply, in the Western world, we don't understand the power of language like the Eastern people did many decades and centuries ago. The Western mind sees language as something strictly in the head. It's not that at all. To understand the message that someone else is saying to us, to just hear the words and to mentally assimilate those words is to not understand what that person said, especially in the Eastern world. And the same was true with Yeshua. As he spoke in his native Aramaic tongue, he said so many things that were horrendously distorted by those in the church that had to have dogma and beliefs instead of the spiritual practices of the heart. So, as Neil was talking about last week, 
We don't understand anything until we practice it. And when we practice it, then it becomes a part of us. We must practice what we know is true. And what Neil was saying, and what I'm going to be sharing further with, with you today, is the absolute profound difference there is between a few English words and the Aramaic depths of, and the perceptions and the applications of the Aramaic deep inside. Dr. Neil Douglas Klotz was my first uh, intensive uh, director at, in my doctoral studies, and then I attended several conferences in Ohio. I've mentioned that briefly before. With uh, him and his people every year for about seven years in a row, and I had the beautiful experience of hearing the Aramaic language being sung as people danced in large circles back and forth and around. The hearing, the sound of the Aramaic touches the heart. And so that's what I want to share more with you today. And I might follow this up with some more shows later. I just haven't decided yet. So for today, let's start with something that has been vastly misunderstood by the, those who have read the English language, by the church who put forth the English language as the only truth, and then King James who came along and didn't know diddly squat about anything, but he had to have the Bible named after him. So the King James Version became the latest distortion for all the people back in 1611. Now here we are, 400 years later, and so many people still are determined to follow a 400-year-old distorted text by a man who was a hot-tempered person. And that's why even part of the, what he changed in his scriptures, where one place it says, love does not get angry, he says, no, love does not get angry very quickly, <laughs> because he had a temper, and he didn't want that to condemn him. So, Let's take a look at a very familiar pair of words and take a deeper look at what it's saying. In the New Testament, what Yeshua said was, at least as recorded in the English, every good tree that brings forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree brings forth evil fruit. Now, Jesus, Yeshua, did not say the words good and evil. The church put that in there because they love the word evil. At least they love the word evil when they can point at somebody else and say, oh, there's evil. Look, it's out there. I'm never evil, but that's evil and that's evil. And a person over there, they're evil. And what they're doing is evil. The church loves to condemn. It always has. It was built on the dogma of condemnation. So, when Yeshua spoke those words, the English words, not, uh, not, not what he said, but when he spoke the Aramaic words, which I'm going to share with you in just a minute, is from the Middle Eastern language, the Aramaic. And in the Aramaic, as in all Semitic languages, the word for good means ripe, like fruit being ripe. And the word for corrupt or evil is the word for unripe. Now, that changes everything. When we hear what he really said, it makes a vast difference. Why? Because no one can use good and evil to condemn anyone. There are so many people, they line up on the side of what they think is the good, 
and they put everybody else on the side of what they think is evil, I say, shame on you, church. You know better than, well, no, they don't know better. But you better wake up. Because what Yeshua said was this, a ripe tree brings forth ripe fruit. An unripe tree brings forth unripe fruit. Now, that makes sense. But if you go to a fruit tree and you look at it, say about the time you think it's ready for harvest, say it's an apple tree. And you walk up to an apple tree and you look and say, hmm, wow, now there's a ripe tr- uh, fruit. That, that apple's ready to eat. And we might pick it off the tree and enjoy it. But if you find one next to it that's still green and it's not yet ripe, do you take it off the tree, try to bite it and then condemn it and, and th- uh, throw it on the ground? No. We wait for it to be ripened. And that's what Joshua was saying. Don't go out and condemn somebody for being evil or unripe. Let them be. Let them be unripe. Be patient with them. Be patient with yourself. Because within you, he said, is your own unripeness. We all have ripe places, and we all have unripe places. And if we can just get that, the human spirit so desires to condemn others. And that's the shadow you've heard me talk about so many times. The ego is a part of that. Where it's so much easier to condemn somebody else than it is to just take responsibility for our own. And that's what Yeshua was all about. He said, okay, you see somebody that you would say, and and the the metaphor here uh, behind the tree is really a person. He said, you find somebody that is typical of being ripe, and ready and and productive, yes, okay, great, accept them as being ripe. You find somebody else that isn't, don't condemn them. Don't say they're not as good as you are, but let them be. Let them ripen at their own time. So, this makes a world of difference. The tree is not morally bad, neither is the person, (laughs) but unripe. It means it's just simply not the right time and the right place for that fruit to be ripe or to be picked from the tree. The saying gives an example from nature rather than imposing an external standard of goodness. This lesson has to do with time and place, setting and circumstance, health and disease. Likewise, when a saying of Yeshua refers to the spirit, the non-physical, we must remember that he would have used an Aramaic or even maybe a Hebrew word. In both of these languages, the same word stands for spirit, breath, air, and wind, or the sacred breath, the duality of body and spirit, which we all take for granted here in the Western world, simply falls away. There is no division in Yeshua's language in what he taught. He saw no division between body and soul or body and spirit. We are one. We are one human being with body, soul, mind, spirit, and a whole bunch of other things. And so to make separations and say that person is evil, that person's unripe because, no, we don't do that. We look in the mirror instead and we say, wait, what about me? Am I ripe? Am I unripe? Where am I in this whole picture? So instead of spending time picking out and pointing out somebody that may not be what I think they should be, let me look at myself. 
the best reflection of me is what I see in you. If I have a problem with you, or if I want to condemn you, I'd better go stand in front of the mirror because you are a mirror as well as the mirror that I might be looking into. We must see each other as mirrors. And if we see something unripe, uh uh-oh, be very, very sure. The unripeness that we see is within. It's not in that other person. And so Dr. Neil Douglas Klotz wrote this book called The Hidden Gospel. And I'll be sharing a few notes from that very book today while we're talking with you. I highly recommend it. We mentioned it last week, but it's The Hidden Gospel by Dr. Neil Douglas Klotz. He's a hyphenated last name, Douglas hyphen Klotz. The world's leading Aramaic scholar. So, when we explore this book, The Hidden Gospel, we find just hundreds and hundreds of insights as to how we can learn more. Not about religion, not about dogma, not about theology, but we learn how to live. How to live with integrity. How to live with honesty. How to live in connection with others, not separation. Separation, or the, the, the false idea of separation, is one of the biggest curses that's ever been put on the human race by religion. Especially Christianity does it. I know because I was in it for too many years. I don't know about the Muslims and the Hebrews. I'll let them take care of themselves. I speak from what I know. I speak from what I did myself. I speak out of the mistakes that I made. I did these things. I made these mistakes. I was taught that. That's the way it was supposed to be. Well, one day, I had to wake up. In the midst of a crisis situation in my life, I finally realized I can't handle all this. Something is wrong. And I had to stop and take a deep look at what was really happening in my experience. And you know, I'll never forget that day. Back in... uh, Dare I say, yes, 1996 is when my awakening finally began. I had left the church. I had been gone for many years, and I was still angry. I was still really wounded and hurt by all that had happened to me. And so I had to wake up, stop blaming other people. I had to look deep inside. And it was Neil Douglas Klotz at that very first uh, Aramaic uh, intensive in the doctoral studies there at the University of California, we talked about being open to and being welcome to the table of the divine. And I asked him that that day, I said, Neil, wait a minute. You said the light parts of us and the shadow parts are all welcome? He said, yes, Jim, especially our shadow parts. And my friends, that was the beginning of healing for me. I'll be right back with you. Jim Stacy is the author of 11 books, including his first title, Jesus Was Not a Christian, Healing the Shame and Fear from Man-Made Theology. That book is available on Amazon. The other 10 books, which are titled A Healing Spiritual Journey, are available as downloads on thedivineiswithinus.com. When you visit that site, you may also download his CDs and articles, and you can also find out more about where Jim will be speaking, spiritual retreats, and vision quests. 
Visit www.thedivineiswithinus.com today. Jim Stacy's first book, Liberating Jesus from Christianity, Healing from the Fear and Shame of Religious Dogma, is available on Amazon.com. Discover what the church has been hiding for over 1,700 years. Find out why people carry the wounds of guilt and shame instead of the power of loving and being loved. Discover that you are a part of the divine. Learn about the kingdom of heaven within you and find out why history has been twisted by those who slaughtered tens of thousands of innocent people. See why the real Jesus never said the words hell or sin. Liberating Jesus from Christianity. Available right now on Amazon.com. You are listening to Beyond Religion, Your Life is Waiting. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to the divine is within us at gmail.com. Again, that's the divine is within us at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Here again is Jim Stacy. So let's go back to this book, uh, The Hidden Gospel by Dr. Neil Douglas Klotz. This book, The Hidden Gospel, explores the simple yet radical differences that reveal the spirituality behind the sayings of Yeshua, a Middle Eastern spokesperson, a Middle Eastern teacher. Yeshua was not English. He did not speak Greek. He did not know the Roman languages, none whatsoever. He spoke his native tongue, the Aramaic, the oldest language in the world. It's the oldest language that we have ever known. It was the secondary language of the Persian Empire, and it was spoken from Egypt all the way to the borders of China. And Yeshua traveled that whole distance when he was in the ages of 12 to 30 when he was gone. And they're called the the years of of the silent years, when nobody knew where he was, at least as far as the, the church is concerned. But we have historical proof now of where he was. His name wasn't Jesus. That name was made up years later. His name was Yeshua, or Issa. And we have historical proof now that he studied in Tibet and Egypt and other places. So, what Yeshua spoke was from the Middle Eastern viewpoint. The difference stemmed from the nature of the Middle Eastern languages themselves, as well as the world view behind them. Every language has that. And we need to understand what the worldview is of any language, whether they divide things up into pieces or whether they bring things together as a whole. There was a German philosopher, Ludwig Wittgenstein, once said, the limits of my own language are the limits of my world. And you know, that holds true for all of us because if we think the language that we know best is the only understanding we need to think again. The English language doesn't hold all the truth. No language does. It's a very, very important to understand the depths of the language that we do not know. So I've spent 16 years now. I plan to continue. In another 16 years, I'll say 32 years. <laughs> but I plan to continue not to study the Aramaic, to read it and write it. I don't need that. Other people can do that. I want to study it to know how to apply it, how to live it, because it makes every bit of difference for me. 
How we understand and when we understand, it all depends upon whether or not we take it deep inside. When we apply it to our lives, that's when it makes a difference. So, even in the Aramaic, there are many, many different interpretations, even different literal interpretations. So, anybody that was a teacher back then never ever said just one thing, never ever just meant one thing. But as I grew up years ago and went to theological school, I was taught, oh, no, there's only one interpretation that's correct. Only one interpretation is right. Now, there are many applications, but only one true interpretation. And the problem with that is that the churches have been fighting over which is the right interpretation now for over 1,700 years. I say shame on you. There's more than one. What I understand as truth, I don't need to stick it in my head and say, I know the truth. No, no, I take it deep in my heart. And I start practicing it and applying that truth to my life. When I do that, then I begin to know, not just believe. And somebody else takes it and applies it to their life, maybe in a different way. Wonderful. Tell me what you're doing. Tell me what you're learning, because I can learn from you, and we learn from each other. So, if we were to write about the words of you know, Moses or Isaiah or some Jewish mystic, uh, or the audience that might be hearing them, it'd be easy to understand, because they have what they call midrash. Now, midrash is where they took the language and just made a lot of different interpretations out of it, so that... Different people and different walks of life and different circumstances could understand something of the truth for themselves. And that's the point. We need to grab a hold of what's true for us today and not stick it in our heads, but take it into our hearts and say, hmm, how can I practice this truth? If I understand something from truth about peace, only as I take it in and practice it, Will I know peace? I don't just stick in my head, so I know what peace is all about. No, we don't. Not until we put it in the heart and we live it. Then we don't believe in peace anymore. We know it. We experience it. And so, just in the same way, most Sufi mystics or Sufi Muslims, as they're called today, would understand what Neil Douglas Klotz has written. It's a style of translation and interpretation that always considers the multiple meanings of a sacred text or any text, and out of that, we're able to cultivate wisdom for our own everyday life. And so, this book explores that in many different ways. It's a powerful book of sharing, again, not things for the head, but things for the heart. In the Christian church, especially as it evolved in the West, it became more important to determine what you know, Jesus said as the so-called Christ or Messiah, which again are made-up terms, than it was to look at the Middle Eastern sense of what he was saying. And so, in addition to all that, since the primary Western and Orthodox church texts were Greek, scholars saw no point in looking at the Aramaic or the Hebrew versions. Oh, they just didn't have time for that. To do so would have under, underlined Jesus' Jewishness, and they didn't want that. Most often, scholars 
interpreted Yeshua, Jesus, according to the Greek or the Hellenistic influences of his time rather than the Middle Eastern ones. And that was a grave error on the part of the church. In doing so, they pushed him aside, and as I've said many times, they left him in the dust of history, never to go back to recover him again. Dogma and theology and fighting each other and condemning other people and all the things that we see some of these crazy politicians doing today, all of that came out of their denial and their throwing Yeshua Jesus' teachings away. Until the church goes back and begins to be and becomes a world-class example of loving their neighbors, of loving their enemies, and of loving themselves in a very healthy way, until the church does that, it has nothing to say to anyone. Why do I say that? Because Yeshua said that loving others in that way is the greatest thing that we can do. The most important commandment, as it was called back then. But it's, more, it's not a commandment. It's an opportunity. It's a life principle. To love others, no, it's not. nobody's commanding that. He simply was repeating something from the old days. He said, if you want to be one who knows and experiences yourself as an eternal being, one who has eternal life, in other words, then practice love, loving your neighbors as yourself, loving your enemies. Practice love, and you will know by experience what eternal life feels like. Eternal life is not something that you get by going to church. <laughs> not at all. Eternal life is not something you get by sticking something in your head. <clears throat> Eternal life is not something you believe in. Not something that some dogma will get for you. No. You have it. You experience it when we practice love for one another. And so... Neil Douglas Klotz writes about all of these issues and how vastly important it is to find what the so-called historical Jesus, or Yeshua, really said. And then, to, once we hear what he said, we practice it. Anyway, enough of that for right now. As Neil says, though, even in the ten years since he published his first book, The Prayers of the Cosmos, which is an interpretive translation of the so-called uh, Lord's Prayer, the Aramaic viewpoint. There has been an increasing acknowledgement, he says, by biblical scholars that the most important background against which we can view all of the early followers of Yeshua, those who could be called you know, Jewish, are really Middle Eastern. And there are many, many scholars now who are calling the, the Gospel of Thomas, which is one that was thrown out by the church and burned, Thanks to the the uh, shepherd who found the cave, the, the um, uh, I'm sorry, the uh, clay pots, uh, the manuscripts in those back in 1945, three years before the Dead Sea Scrolls were found, he found them in Egypt, not in near the Dead Sea. And we, when he found those, they found in that, among with many other uh, texts, we found the Gospel of Thomas and all the scriptures. All the texts, the Gospels, that the church threw away and burned because they didn't want anybody to find them. And so, 
What do we do? How do we know who we are? How do we know how to live? How do we know what he taught? And he wasn't the only teacher in the whole world, not at all. There are many, many other teachers throughout the Middle East and further to the East and even into Egypt and many others for centuries and centuries and centuries taught the very same truth that he taught. That's why when he was asked a question, what are you doing here? He didn't say, I want you to get this. He never once said, I've come to die on a Roman torture cross because people are bad. He never, ever said that. He said, rather, I have come to bear witness to the truth, the truth that he'd learned from Egypt to Tibet and all places in between and India. He came to remind people of the truth, the truth that had been lost in the Roman world. He didn't come to give his life for anybody. None of us are bad enough for that. I'll be right back with you. Jim Stacy is the author of 11 books, including his first title, Jesus Was Not a Christian, Healing the Shame and Fear from Man-Made Theology. That book is available on Amazon. The other 10 books, which are titled A Healing Spiritual Journey, are available as downloads on thedivineiswithinus.com. When you visit that site, you may also download his CDs and articles, and you can also find out more about where Jim will be speaking, spiritual retreats, and vision quests. Visit www.thedivineiswithinus.com today. Jim Stacy's first book, Liberating Jesus from Christianity, Healing from the Fear and Shame of Religious Dogma, is available on Amazon.com. Discover what the church has been hiding for over 1,700 years. Find out why people carry the wounds of guilt and shame instead of the power of loving and being loved. Discover that you are a part of the divine. Learn about the kingdom of heaven within you and find out why history has been twisted by those who slaughtered tens of thousands of innocent people. See why the real Jesus never said the words hell or sin. Liberating Jesus from Christianity. Available right now on Amazon.com. You are listening to Beyond Religion, Your Life is Waiting. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to the divine is within us at gmail.com. Again, that's the divine is within us at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Here again is Jim Stacy. And so, as so many times I can get carried away, and I think sometimes I just have too much to say. <laughs> At least I admit it, huh? Anyway, but before, or other than instead of giving more and more history and the background of some of the Aramaic and the Coptic and the Syriac versions and, and how we know the Aramaic is authentic, I'll save that for another time. I actually want to get into something specifically from the Aramaic, and share with you what difference it makes when we really see it. So, in the scriptures, there's something called the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes were those, that's, it was called the Sermon on the Mount, too, things like that, but it's the place where many of you have heard, blessed are this, for yours is this, or blessed are you when this, blah, blah, blah. And so, on and on it went, but in the English version, in the King James Version and other English, the, those Beatitudes just simply don't make any sense most of the time. 
At least they don't make any sense when compared to the depths of the Aramaic. And so, let me share a couple of those with you as examples of how the Aramaic can change everything. So, the first one of the so-called Beatitudes is, in the English it says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Or, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall enter this kingdom. Well, there's all kinds of versions of this. But what Yeshua taught in the Aramaic was not one of separation, but one of unity. He, he never ever said we're separate from the divine. He used the, the name for the divine called Allah. And every time we see the word God in the English language, we need to insert the name Allah. I've always disliked that harsh sounding G-O-D. It's just harsh. But what Yeshua said is Allah, not some angry God, but Allah, meaning the energies of sacred unity, that we are one with that ultimate power, the ultimate one. There are no opposites. And in the, the name of, the, of the, the creator, the one who has given us life, all of those names are sacred. And Allah is one of the best words, one of the favorite words of the Aramaic people. And I, as I said before, spent many hours standing and, and dancing in circles, but, uh, slowly but moving around with the music and singing Allah, Allah. And something changes when we sing Allah. How could we ever sing the word God? We just can't. So what he taught, in those Beatitudes was that we must understand unity more than anything else. We must understand who we are, not who other people are. And so we just need to wake up to seeing that the depths behind the Aramaic is about being one with the, the Creator, one with each other, one even in ourselves, not separating ourselves either to be less than what we really are. But that English word was based on a Germanic word. It means good. Sounds almost the same. Take one O out and it's the same. But yet, no doubt we can see goodness as an aspect of the divine energy, but it's not the same as unity. Every time the Aramaic person said, or Yeshua said, Allah or the divine, the very word itself meant we are one. You are one with this entity. You are one with divine energy. You are the divine in human form. And my listeners, I know you've heard me say many, many times about the divine being within. And I won't ever stop saying it because until we experience it, we will not know what it is. And it's not some religious experience at all. You can experience it while you're out fishing. You can experience it driving down the road. You can experience it in any activity. You know, playing basketball, baseball, doing this or that, gardening, trimming a tree, shoveling snow. Who we are as people are parts of this divine energy. And so that's what Yeshua tried to teach. There's no G-O-D 
of goodness, there is Allaha oneness. And so, anytime somebody sits down in, in prayer, meditation, or whatever, to contemplate and think about all of these things, the mystery of sacred union is something that is very difficult to talk about. It's very difficult to find English words to wrap around it. And I have had difficulty many times trying to explain something in English, and it simply isn't easy. But when we feel it, the sound, the Allaha, and as Neil mentioned last week, and I would totally support again and say time and time again, take time to be alone. Take time to leave the hustle and bustle of everyday life. Find a place where you can spend a, a few minutes even or longer by yourself and sit in that place in nature, hopefully, and put your hand lightly over your heart and just start saying, Allaha, Allaha, and do that gently and slowly. And I guarantee you, you will start feeling some different energy deep inside you. You are one with all that is. If people do this together, and say in a a circle, and they're all chanting or or just saying gently together, Allaha, or singing it perhaps, any way they want to do that. This is how we can begin to experience the divine energy deep within ourselves. And so, our usual Western concepts of God are usually, or can only be rather, just a very small partial view of what the Middle Eastern people experienced when they heard Yeshua teach. Most of us have been raised from a childhood to think of this God thing as being far away, far away from humanity, angry, perhaps up in the sky, threatening threatening punishment, this separate deity that thinks, oh my goodness, I've got to make all these people behave or I'll burn them. No, Yeshua never taught that nonsense either. He did not live from any kind of separation thinking. Never ever did Yeshua ever think of him being himself being separate from people or himself being separate from the divine. Yeshua was not God he was a human being. Yeshua was not the, you know, the divine, as far as the, this uh, so-called trinity is concerned. The church made this up, you know, the male God, the, the Son, and then the male Holy Spirit, blah, blah, blah. No, that's all dogma, and it's nonsense. Yeshua never taught that. He said, you're one with. You are it. It is you. You are that energy. And so, even... In the Gospel of Thomas that I mentioned earlier, is you find this. Looking for the living one while you are alive, so that you will not die and then seek to find him or her and unable to see. On the day when you were one, you became two. But when you have become two, now what will you do? Now this is interesting. Now, this is the teaching from Yeshua from the Gospel of Thomas. And it says, quote, and they shall stand as a single one, sometimes translated as a solitary one. But certainly these expressions point to a, a wandering, moving around kind of a lifestyle, which was really exemplified by Yeshua himself. 
He walked around, he taught. He'd sit down and teach or he'd walk and teach or go up on the mountain do this or do that. And it was an amazing way to just walk and teach because what he taught was never separated from life itself. And certainly these expressions point to that kind of lifestyle. The concept of the divine as unity with no opposites. And he went on to say, Thomas, that is, when you make those two one, those perceived opposites, and when you make the inner self and the outer self as one, and when you make the above like the below, then you will enter this kingdom. Now that is amazing. I hope it doesn't scare you away when we talk about this kingdom, because the kingdom, who he said was within, is not some religious thing at all. You cannot have a kingdom or a queendom without a king or a queen, the presence of them. And what Yeshua was teaching, when he said the kingdom of heaven is within you, he's saying the divine itself, male and female, the he and she, the divine energies of all, that divine energy is within you. The Malkuta da Shamaya. And that literally means... As I've said before, the queendom of heaven is within. Oh, my, oh, my. Now, that's a, an insight. It's not kingdom, it gets, but it is the energies of both male and female. But the Malkuta, the what Yeshua embodied, was actually the, the feminine energies of healing and nurturing and loving and compassion and inclusion where everyone sits down to the table together and there's no separation. That is the classic energies of the feminine. And so when he said the queendom of heaven is within you, yes, that's exactly what he was talking about. And so if we start practicing, if we want to know what it is to experience the divine within, we start practicing the energies of being healing and loving and kind and nurturing and compassion. We start putting our arm around somebody and say, can I support you? Can I help you? What can I do to encourage you? Those kinds of energies step forth as energies of inclusion. And when we do that, when we experience those energies, that magnificent power, wow, we're one together and we're, we're walking this path together and we are supporting each other. When you feel like you are really loved and honored and supported by another person, my friend, at that moment, you are experiencing the kingdom or queendom within you. And when you express it and do it for others, I promise you, you are feeling the same energy. And that energy is the kingdom, queendom within you. But we have to go to the depths of the Aramaic to find this. We find it nowhere else. And so, as he taught, the power of knowing who we are is to know who each other is. We can never, never do this by ourselves. We do it in oneness with the divine itself and oneness with every other human being. And so this is the way it was. It's still the way it is. No matter what dogma has tried to replace, you are the divine in human form. I'll be right back for the last segment in just a minute.
Jim Stacy is the author of 11 books, including his first title, Jesus Was Not a Christian, Healing the Shame and Fear from Man-Made Theology. That book is available on Amazon. The other 10 books, which are titled A Healing Spiritual Journey, are available as downloads on thedivineiswithinus.com. When you visit that site, you may also download his CDs and articles. And you can also find out more about where Jim will be speaking, spiritual retreats, and vision quests. Visit www.thedivineiswithinus.com today. Jim Stacy's first book, Liberating Jesus from Christianity, Healing from the Fear and Shame of Religious Dogma, is available on Amazon.com. Discover what the church has been hiding for over 1,700 years. Find out why people carry the wounds of guilt and shame instead of the power of loving and being loved. Discover that you are a part of the divine. Learn about the kingdom of heaven within you and find out why history has been twisted by those who slaughtered tens of thousands of innocent people. See why the real Jesus never said the words hell or sin. Liberating Jesus from Christianity. Available right now on Amazon.com. You are listening to Beyond Religion, Your Life is Waiting. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to the divine is within us at gmail.com. Again, that's the divine is within us at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Here again is Jim Stacy. And so, as I have said before, it's just so hard sometimes to be able to get enough in just a one hour show. So, I'll continue in the weeks ahead and bring more and more of this information to you. Next week, in the next two, two or three weeks, I have some guests coming on, and I'll be talking a couple of weeks about overcoming this sense of separation and, and divisions and being separate from others. And anyway, uh, after that, I'll look at uh, more of this Aramaic and the hidden gospel and see if I can bring more of this to you. I find it extremely helpful. You who have written in, and sent messages to me are also finding it very helpful. And I appreciate deeply that lives are being changed. If I really appreciate anything at all, it's the fact that I can cheer you on. I can cheer you as you find your own healing, as you find the beauty of who you are. So if that's all I ever experience in life, I'd be totally satisfied. Nothing feels better than to see someone smiling and healing because of what they're learning. So anyway, but don't follow me. Follow yourself. Follow the truth inside your heart. We just have a few minutes left for today, but I want to share something that I think I've mentioned it a long time ago, but I want to say it again in the context of just having had Neil on the show last week and concluding with something that is so important to know. Again, it's a distortion from the church when they use that word, that verse rather, that says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody gets to the Father but by me. Well, first of all, let me say, that is an ancient Egyptian proverb, except the nobody gets to the Father but by me was not in that. The ancient Egyptian proverb did say, yes, the I am is the way the truth, and the life. It was there as the truth long before the church decided to leave it in what they called the Bible. But they misunderstood it 
because they mistranslated it. They didn't share it as Yeshua taught it. He never said that he and he alone was the way, the truth, and the life. Now, this says it in English, but that's not what Yeshua said. What he said was something much deeper. And in the Aramaic version of this, what we find is the I am is repeated as enna, enna, or I, I. And this has several possibilities. The I, I really is when you understand that the greater I am is within you, the smaller I am. That experience is the way. That's what Yeshua taught. It's not dogma. It's not theology. It's not just sticking your pie, your thumb in a pie and pulling out something and say, I got it. No, it's realizing deep inside who we are. And so this enna enna, or this I, I, has a lot of different possibilities and a lot of different forms. The essence of individuality might be called the I inside the I, or the me inside the me, or something like the I am. But again, in a culture where the word God means unity, no, it cannot be seen, because the ultimate separation is still there. Only one I am exists, and that is Allah, you and me, you and me together, and all of us together are the divine energies in human form. Now, the divine is bigger than just that. Yes, the divine is within all creation and also bigger than all creation at the same time. But let's look at this more carefully. The Aramaic word for way is urha, U-R-A-H-A. And this word is very interesting because it's related to one of the words for light, Light as seen in the Aramaic language, a light that uncovers a path. Now that is different. A light, when you turn it on, always illuminates a room. A light, when you turn it on to go outside at night with a flashlight, ah, that light uncovers the path. Maybe through the woods or down the sidewalk or wherever we might go. But what the Aramaic says here is the word way. The Urha is a light that shows us the right way to walk on the path. It shows us the right direction on the path. The way. Then the second word, truth, is Shirara. It is the same that we've seen before when we talk about spirit and truth. But it points to a solution or a setting free. So Urha is the way, the way back home the way back to divine connection, the deepest sense of unity in, in spirit form. And we were spirit form before we came here. Now we're in physical form and spirit form at the same time. So the way is the way back home. The truth is the right direction on the path back home. And then the third one is the life, the haye. And the life means you have the strength and the energy to walk that path all the way back home. Now, that is different. We don't depend on somebody else. We don't depend on you know, even, you know, Yeshua himself. He would have never said that. No, I don't have to depend on anybody to find my way back home. 
It's within me. It's within you. We just need to be told that it's there and told in some ways how we can find it and how we can know it. And so that's what Yeshua taught. He said, you want to find your way back home? You know you're more than a physical being. You know there's more to life than just this lifetime that you have. You know you're worth more than that. You know you are more beautiful than that. So relax and know this, that the greater I am within you, the smaller I am. That is the way back home. That is the truth of who you are, the right direction on that path. And it is the experience, the energy, the strength, and the power to walk that path all the way back home. My friends, we are not lost. No one is lost. If we feel lost, it's just a a temporary situation where we don't understand something. We are not lost, as the church's dogma says. We do not need that nonsense. We just need to know who we are, finding that more and more. And in the 40-some shows that I have archived here on Voice America Radio, you can find all kinds of clues in the last 40 shows, maybe 43 now that I've done. And I will keep talking about it. Show after show after show, I will keep trying to give new information, new concepts, new ideas, new ways to know who we are, how to find that, and how to know that we are the divine and human form. Not some magical thing at all. It's just a matter of the breath, of breathing, and knowing who we truly are. I'll be talking more about that breath work, the sacred breath, in the weeks to come. But for right now, I would encourage you to take time just to sit somewhere and relax, again in a quiet place. Put your hand over your heart and say, show me how to know who I am. I promise you, my friends, you will begin to know like never before. This is Jim Stacy. I'll be back with you next week. Thank you for tuning into the program today. Please join Jim Stacy for another edition of Beyond Religion, Your Life is Waiting, next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. This week, let the divine work for you and with you. You're bound to experience a new life. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.